This past fall, reporter Jeff Edgers visited Skywalker Ranch, George Lucas's movie-mixing facility in California. He was there to meet with acclaimed filmmaker Ava DuVernay. Why are you up to the side like that? I, I don't want to sit right in front of you. It feels weird. Okay, sit right here. You might know Ava DuVernay from her film Selma, which was nominated for the Oscar for Best Picture. Or you might know her from When They See Us, which was a Netflix series dramatizing the arrest and prosecution of the Central Park Five. There are a lot of firsts in her her life as a Black woman directing. She was the first Black woman director to win the Best Director Award at Sundance for her independent film, Middle of Nowhere. She was the first Black woman director to get $100 million to make a movie, which was Disney's Wrinkle in Time. And she's also made these films that are politically charged and take on really important moments in American history. When Jeff interviewed Ava DuVernay, she was putting the finishing touches on her newest film, Origin, which will be in theaters nationwide in January. And he got to see a nearly finished cut of the movie. All right, here we go. Hello, I know you want to see it. Go ahead. I'm not going to say it. But you want to. Origin follows a writer named Isabel, based on real-life author Isabel Wilkerson, as she tries to write a book connecting American anti-Black racism with other systems of subjugation around the world. It's an adaptation of Wilkerson's book called Cast, The Origins of Our Discontents, which became a bestseller in 2020. So your book is about interracial relationships. Mm, No, no, it's about... It's about caste. It's um, a phenomenon of placing one group above another group in a hierarchy. And the consequences to its victims and presumed beneficiaries. Um, one more time in English. And, and how was it? What did you think of the movie? It's really compelling to watch. It's I, I don't know if you should say enjoyable, but it's like really driving. I'm sitting there and I just, there are so many emotional moments. There are so many things that, that kind of like crush you as you're sitting there. And I kept thinking to myself, if I were a Hollywood producer, I might say, hey, could we like soften that up a little bit? Or like, do you have to be so harsh here? You know, I was framing it in my own mind as a movie that wasn't made the normal way that it wasn't made with a normal studio. One of the remarkable things about Origin is that it was made without any financing from a major film or TV studio. Ava DuVernay decided to raise the film's $38 million budget independently. She found philanthropists and celebrities who believed in her vision and the potential social impact of this movie. In recent years, the money to make what's known as prestige films has dried up. But DuVernay effectively sidestepped the whole studio system. I was sitting there like three rows in front of the director, and I didn't really know what to say. I mean, I'm an unbiased person as a reporter. I'm not a film critic. I'm not a fan. But I also had watched something that was really moving. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers, and it's Tuesday, December 26th. Today... 
Jeff Edgers tells us the story of how Ava DuVernay got her new movie origin made. And we hear from DuVernay herself about what motivated her to make this film in such an unconventional way. So I want to back up and talk for a second about Ava DuVernay and why she is a filmmaker who really matters in this moment. Well, she doesn't just look at this as a job. She really is trying to, like, hit a moment when she makes something because she doesn't just want people to talk about it. She wants people to do something, you know? She's an advocate. She wants people to think differently about race, power, and the systems that we operate under and to affect change. And she really wanted this film to come out before the... 2024 elections, because what she told me was... And we come out of the pandemic into a place where literally they're taking books off shelves and trying to gaslight us and tell us that slavery was good for us, and literally taking away a woman's right to decide what happens to her own body. Why is every conversation you're having not about this all the time on 10? She felt like after George Floyd, after January 6th, people were kind of exhausted of being exhausted, and she felt like there was a lot of apathy out there, and she didn't feel like people were talking like they should be. And if there's something that I can make and to contribute to a feeling of, whoa, wait, we got to wake up, then that is what I wanted to do. So then how did she actually come across this book cast by Isabel Wilkerson? And how did she end up thinking that this was the answer to what she wanted people to be talking about at this moment? Well, she came across the book the same way a lot of people do. Oprah told her to read it. Except my relationship with Oprah, I don't know about yours, but mine is more like, it's a little distant. Like, I'll see her (laughs) book with the big Oprah stamp. Oprah and Ava are, are friends, and Oprah, you know, nudged her, said, like, read this book. And she was like, I'm busy, I'm doing this. But she finally read it. And then when she read it, she realized that it was an important story that needed to be told. Well, when I saw when I saw the trailer, that the, I mean, just seeing the fact that they were making a movie about this, I, I did a double take where I was like, wait, really? They're making a movie about, about this book? I feel like this is, yeah, it would not, would not scream to me as something that, like, Hollywood is, like, uh, well-prepared to adapt. The thing about Cast is it's an amazing book. It's really smart, but it's also kind of a study more than a story. And it's really fascinating. It makes you think completely differently about prejudice and race and power. The problem with the book is it's a hard read. And Ava DuVernay, the director, her closest friend said, this is like an unadaptable book. It's, it's a tough read. Uh, it's a complicated read. I know a lot of people pick it up, put it down. People will talk to me and say, I'm almost through it. Everybody says they read it, but I'm not they sure. They haven't read the whole thing. A lot right? of people. Or it takes time. I to bought get that through. book twice. I did too. I bought it, and then I forgot I had it <laughs> I when I wanted to read it, really. I know. And then I bought it again, and then I was like, oh, I have two copies. The reality is, as I talk to people over the last few years about it, people have it. It's on their nightstands. They know they want to read it, or they've started it. And, you know, it's just, it, 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 it is a study. You know what I mean? You are studying. You are learning when you're reading it, and that is a commitment. And so Her first approach or her first plan after optioning it was to 
do it with Netflix, where she'd done several projects very successfully. But she found there were problems getting it done there. What were the problems? Well, there's a lot going on in the entertainment world, as we know. And we know that people are cutting back and, you know, more resistant to a certain kind of film. I mean, we call it sort of like the serious adult drama, you know, films that may get critical acclaim, but aren't necessarily getting box office. And I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's a subject of the films. I don't know if it's because people aren't back in the movie theaters. But when you look at movies like Licorice Pizza or The Fablemans, you know, these films were acclaimed and they did not do well financially. So people aren't desperate to throw, you know, $40 million at a film that some people say is unadaptable about race and power. We're not in agreement on the script. Um, there were a few rounds of notes done, which I, you know, took took the notes to heart. But ultimately, I felt that um, their interests within the story were going in a different direction than mine. Ninety-nine percent of folks would not get this film greenlit because it's unruly. It's adapting an, what people call an unadaptable book about a very tough, dense unattractive subjects. Right there, how am I getting people through the door for it? This doesn't sound like a Marvel movie. What are we doing? Uh, who wants to see this? So what did she do instead? So she asked them, and they agreed to allow her to take the film back, which she's very happy with and, you know, praises them for allowing her to do because they didn't have to. But then you have a problem. Now you have to make the film. How do you do that? After the break, Ava DuVernay comes up with a new way to get her movie made. We'll be right back. So Ava DuVernay is trying to get this movie origin made, and the big Hollywood studios don't seem on board with her vision. So what does she do? What was her solution to that if she couldn't actually get a studio who was interested in spending all the millions of dollars that it would take to make the movie the way that she wanted to make it and to make it on the timeline that she wanted to make it? You know, when you watch a documentary on, like, PBS about, like, toxic waste, at the end of it, it always says, like, brought to you by the Robert T. and James MacArthur Foundation. (laughs) And you're like, oh, wow, the smart people give to the smart thing. So she knew that. She also has this really good relationship with the Ford Foundation, which has like $16 billion endowment or something. So she suddenly thought, why don't I try to just change the way we fund a feature film? This is a really important film, and I'm going to go out and I'm going to ask these folks, these philanthropists, for money. So she called up Darren Walker, the president of the Ford Foundation. She says, I know you've never given money like this to a feature film, but this is a really important film. This is a really important book. I want to reinvent the way we fund a movie. And will you give me $10 million? And he said, yes. What I said to Ava is, you are a genius and you need to be untethered and unfettered. I actually spoke with Darren Walker about the Ford Foundation's investment in this movie. This film is the most important contribution to truth-telling of American history that has ever been created. 
you know, this is um, a, an epic moment in American history. Do we understand in this country what we are living through? It is, this is not just any moment in American history. This is a moment when we are literally on a precipice as a people. And if we are unable to face truth, we will never be free. So if this was the, like, essentially the GoFundMe approach to making a movie, the Ford Foundation, you said, gave $10 million. Who were the other folks that she brought in? I mean, like, who, who else was donating to, to make this possible? Well, the other folks, um, you may have heard of Melinda Gates. Uh, <laughs> she and Lorene Powell Jobs also got involved. I don't know exactly how much they gave, but it was considerable. They have organizations, foundations, LLCs. They came up with investments. Also a bunch of basketball stars. Chris Paul, Malcolm Brogdon, Carl Anthony Towns, Kevin Love. They, they all contributed as well. For all the people who have contributed their money to make this movie possible, what are they expecting in return? It's a little bit of a funny dance when I ask them about what they want back, because normally an investor would say, well, I want my investment back and more. These folks want something else. They want to actually have this film make a social impact. They're called social impact investments because they want it to have some impact on society. They want people to talk about the issues of race and the disparity in wealth and the power structure and to actually create some kind of change. And and what were the advantages and disadvantages of that? If you just have like a bunch of, I don't know, random rich people who decide that they want to see your movie and want it to be out in the world and they're giving you some money to, to make it possible, how did that work out for her? Well, I actually don't see any disadvantage to this except if the movie makes no money back. And these people say, you know what? This really wasn't a good experiment. But the advantage is considerable. The difference here is these weren't private investors who were thinking first, uh, I want to be a movie producer. So she got literally no feedback from these people as she was making her her film. So she wasn't... Which sounds like the dream. <laughs> yeah, imagine that. Here, here's $38 million dollars. And you do with it what you will. I mean, it's an amazing thing. And it's a great responsibility, but it, it, it's also amazing. I mean, there aren't these people who are just in the room because they have money sitting there with a pen telling you how to make your art. It shows incredible respect for her, but also like respect for the process, you know? So in that situation, the question is, would you rather be with your artist collaborators free and doing it without anyone breathing down your neck, but you got to be done by Wednesday at 8 p.m., and you really need two more days, not one. Or would you rather have someone breathing down your neck and have all the time you need? And that's been the juggling act through the whole process. And I mean, my answer is very clear. I'd rather have less resources and less time and work within the limits and be free to figure it out than have all the money in the world and have someone tell me what to do. When I was there, it didn't feel like they were like 
using free money and free to do whatever they wanted. It felt like a team that was on a tight schedule and had to make tough decisions to get everything done. So from your conversation with Ava DuVernay, what are her hopes for the movie and and what she wants it to achieve? Well, I think one thing she wants is she wants the movie to earn back its its cost. I think she wants to she wants to pay back these people and she wants it to earn back its cost. She wants the movie to be well reviewed and praised and she wants people to go and see it. So that's element 1. Element 2, I think she'd like people to see this film and feel moved to do something. You know, for example, she mentioned Agnes Gund, who's a philanthropist who generally gives to museums and symphonies. She saw 13th, the documentary about basically like the mess that is our prison system. And she was so moved by that film that she sold a painting for like $165 million and started a social justice organization. So, I mean, that's a pretty good example of you see a piece of art, you're motivated, and you move and do something. So I think Ava would like to see more than just conversation. She'd like to see some kind of action. It's interesting because I feel like up until very recently, I didn't have really any understanding of how movies and TV shows that I watch are paid for. But I think that with the actor's strike and with the writer's strike, there's been this greater sense of like, oh, actually how movies are paid for and who gets paid in making those movies does have an impact on what ends up being made. There's, I think, more of a sense of like, oh, these studios are really influencing art and what art is able to exist and what art isn't. The lack of, like, weird stuff, you know, like just weird weird movies and weird TV shows and things that um, I feel like people are starting to worry are not long for this world because of the economics behind it. I mean, is this, like, the new model for how creative people can make movies and TV shows that are not necessarily what film studios and TV studios are throwing money at right now, but that could still find and resonate with an audience? You know, why can't films be viewed in the same way that we view art museums or other charities? And Mm. when something isn't necessarily marketable or as marketable as some kind of, you know, eye candy, why shouldn't it get some help from people who believe it can make an impact, you know? I mean, nothing against, like, superhero movies or like, cause I watch them like everybody else or like those things with the guy Vin Diesel and all the cars, nothing against those. But just because those can make like $190 million in an hour doesn't mean that those are the only thing that should exist. So it's really, ultimately it's up to the philanthropists and the people who are watching this play out. It could certainly become a new model. Did seeing this movie and hearing the story of how it ended up getting made, did it make you more hopeful about um, seeing similar projects like this in the future or just the, the kinds of work that, that might not otherwise become a reality? Well, 
Ava DuVernay, she's inspiring to me when I watch the way she does things. I mean, she, whether it's like finding a way to hire people who don't normally get hired for films, watching how she does things makes me inspired because she seems to find a way to do them differently. Now, if you consider that she's working with all these people who are then following that model, it, it does give you hope that you can change the way the system works because that's ultimately what is holding things back when there's a system in place in art that is defined by like name and money and and power it it holds back ideas and so that's what i find inspiring about a film like origin existing jeff thank you so much for sharing all this this is fascinating Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. Jeff Edgers is the national arts reporter for The Post. Today's show is produced by Peter Bresnan. It was edited by Maggie Penman and mixed by Rennie Svernovsky. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. If you want to show your support for this podcast, please subscribe to The Washington Post. You'll get everything that The Post has to offer. And now you will get ad-free podcasts through Apple. Subscribe in Apple Podcasts or by following the link in our show notes. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. 